Thank you for choosing Excess Tech as your manufacturer for a brand new Tomorrowland. You sought to seize the future, and we have supplied thrilling attractions, dazzling state-of-the-art displays, jetpacks, and more. But first, a small note. Our former CEO, Chairman Clench, has um, resigned to spend more time with his family. And recently, Paul Pressler from The Gap has taken over operations. But he's seen to it that this new Tomorrowland is to the highest quality that Excess Tech is known to provide. Oh, and here it is, right? Oh, dear God, what the hell is that? Uh, I mean, no refunds. Thank you for seizing the future with Excess. Welcome, dreamers of all ages, to another episode of Unbuilt, an unrealized theme park podcast. With me today, as always, is my co-host, Ryan Dorman. How are we doing? I'm doing well. Oh, uh, yeah? All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe there's a bit of doubt coming from you there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> as always. I hesitancy there. Yeah. <laughs> but you might have heard we have a third person there. Today, we have a special guest um, from the podcast channel KRT. It's Tyler Green. How are you doing? That's me. Awesome. <laughs> Great to be here, guys. Thank you. Perfect. Okay. So before we get into anything else, can you just tell us a little bit about channel KRT? Yes, yeah, so Channel KRT is the podcast that I host with my compadres Kit Quinn and Randy Martin. We usually talk about obscure nostalgic TV shows. Recently, we've been talking about like, you know, just like nostalgic sitcoms. Like our most recent episode was on Fall House. We've also talked about some really esoteric stuff like something called Clown TV, which is a show about a TV studio run by clowns and oh it's just as batshit as it sounds, quite frankly. And yeah, Ryan, and are we on a last name basis here, by the way? Because we have two Ryans. <laughs> yes, yes. You can totally yeah. call me O'Reilly and Dorman. That's fine. Don't, you know. Oh, oh, O'Reilly. Oh, sorry. Yeah, but yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. So O'Reilly was on our show quite recently, actually, when we were doing our Honey, I Shrunk the Kids theme month, where we yeah. talked about the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids TV show. <laughs> Still one of the greatest goddamn shows ever made, in my opinion. True, true. No lies detected there. All, all hail Lord Mongo. Mm-hmm. For sure. Wayne is the best. Peter Scolari, we miss you. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it does have ties to Tomorrowland in a sense, so. That is true. It's all about those inventions and that crazy shrinking machine that shrunk people every single 20 minutes in Tomorrowland for many, many years. Man, that's a lot of shrinking. I know. <laughs> 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 kind of believe you kind of start to think that Wayne is just doing this on purpose. Oh yeah, he's just getting his sick kicks off of just, <laughs> just, just fucking audiences. humanity in, these, on, in all these ways. Like just not just in like not just in the attraction, but on the TV show as well. Oh my gosh, he 
he messes up so much in the world. It's incredible. Like Armageddon comes like 15 times in that show, I swear. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there is an episode where, where there's an alternate future where he turns out to be a threat against humanity. So that's it's right. it's literally canon. <laughs> but yes, go go listen to go listen to my show for all this sweet honey I shrunk the kids discourse. And and so you guys also do occasionally talk about theme parks. I believe you had an episode about um Walt Disney World's Earth Day special recently. Yes, we did. We did. I think I mentioned this on the podcast, but for our for the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World, we wanted to do the happiest celebration on Earth planning video, which if mm-hmm. you've ever seen that, it's iconic for so many reasons. Mm-hmm. It was it was my introduction to the parks, you know, outside of seeing the Haunted Mansion in theaters in like 2003. But like, yeah, we are very huge theme park fans, but we don't really have a whole lot of outlets to talk about it. We right. are planning down the line to at least do like maybe a couple more park specials down the line, but Perfect. we'll see. You guys uh, ever think about doing the Disneyland uh, 35th, the crazy one with. Yes, that has and- come up actually. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of my favorite ones. And another thing that we talked about on the podcast that got cut sadly because I was kind of a doof with editing was the Disneyland story with Harry Anderson, where oh, he is mm. talking about the Disney decade, right. which today's topic does come up in the Disney decade. Yes, this was part of the Disneyland decade for sure. But anyways, today we are talking about Tomorrowland 2055, and this is one of the biggest ones. This is this is easily one of the ones that people really point to. I mean, we have this talked about discovery bay but this one in particular sticks out in people's minds and i think it's (laughs) i think it's more so of because what's currently there instead of what is could have been it's Uh, sad man so just, Mm -hmm. just all that squandered potential like this was a period where you could tell disney was feeling the hit of you know all their financial failures right and as as happy that I am that, you know, Euro Disney slash Disneyland Paris turned itself around, I'm still very bitter that it caused such a collapse. Yeah, I think it was the one-two punch of that and then Frank Wells dying that just... Yeah, like, in all fun. honesty, I, I hate that I have to say this as a Haunted Mansion fan, but I would gladly take Tomorrowland 2055 over Phantom Manor any day. Mm-hmm. Not that I hate Phantom Manor. Phantom Ma- manner is fucking great but just when we get into like the crux of what was supposed to be it's just sad man right. you know mm-hmm. Dorman, any thoughts on 20 tomorrowland 2055 before we get into it i mean obviously like tomorrowland i think especially in even even in the states in walt disney world is one of the more interesting parts of the the, the castle parks just because of how different it is to anything you'll really see and how original it can be. So the, the concept of having Tomorrowland just amped up to a, to a maximum with even more original ideas is fascinating. And it, mm-hmm. it really is one of the big heartbreaks, as you guys are saying about, about Disneyland that never really came true. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> you, but I think both of you on the East coast get the good Tomorrowland and, Man, well, the East Coast. Nowadays, yeah. I guess it's the better Tomorrowland. It's still right? better Tomorrowland. Yeah, yeah. right. True. I, sh- I should quests. mention real. Qu- oh, sorry. Go ahead. 
Sorry, you guys have Sunny Eclipse and you have the People Mover, so nothing to complain. Yeah, that's all that you need, true. Right? <laughs> and Carousel of Progress, you know, yes. which is mm-hmm. my problematic fave, I will yeah. admit. <laughs> I will say real quick, part of the reason that I wanted to do this is because I am just such a huge, huge fan of Walt Disney World's Tomorrowland, and I kind of think mm-hmm. that this would have been Disneyland's answer to that, you know, where it's a little more lore-based, but, you know... At the same time, as much as I do love Walt Disney World's Tomorrowland, I feel like they're kind of killing a little bit by oh, getting 100%. rid of all the little theatrical stuff. Like, all the thank Buck God Rogers they haven't touched Sony Eclipse, but you know, just losing, like, just losing some of like the tomorrow, the original Tomorrowland Transit Authority spiel. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the uh, some of the decorations on the on the sides of the People Mover and stuff like that. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just not the same, you know. It's not. No, it isn't. And I mean, that's a sad thing is that they probably need it as well. But I would argue that the West Coast needs it more. Um, Agreed. Yes. So with that said, let's let's mosey on over and just fully discuss our main topic. Right, we are ready to begin talking about Tomorrowland 2055, and of course we have to ask, what is it? And this one, this one is a fairly long one because we have to talk about the Tomorrowland problem. Oh ni- man, yeah. sit down, kids. This is going to be mm-hmm. a good one. True. In 1955, <laughs> Walt Disney originally planned on having Tomorrowland be pushed to Phase Two, but at the last second, argued that it needed to be there opening day. Hastily, the fledgling Imagineers scrambled together and made a land that supposedly took guests into the far distant future of 1986, which was the next passing of Haley's Comet. The attractions included a world clock that told the time in every time zone at the entrance, a massive world flags called the Court of Honor. This was the 1950s. The massive, yeah. <laughs> the massive 76 foot tall TWA Moonliner, which was designed by John Hench and former Nazi scientist Werner von Braun. Former, yeah, emphasize former. former. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, an interesting time. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Rocket to the Moon was a simulated flight to the moon inside a round capsule, utilizing screens on the top and bottom of the floors to create a simulated space flight. On the right-hand side included an exhibit detailing props from 20,000 leagues under the sea because everyone was obsessed with nautical Jules Verne's tales in the 1980s. Well, actually, it was due to a lack of attractions for the land, so it went up extremely quickly as a stopgap. In fact, there's a great, great story about one of the Imagineers, I believe it was Ward Kimball, being asked by Walt Disney to come at very late at night to finish painting up the 20,000 Leagues facade, and he did it alongside Walt Disney. That's how committed Walt was to making the theme park open on time and this attraction attraction opened do you think there was at least one person who was complaining about putting ip into the parks like this no i mean that's the thing the irony of disneyland 
and the IP argument is that Disneyland was 100% IP because it was all all put on the back of that TV show, TV show that they had airing. Davy Crockett the Fantasyland stuff, obviously inspired by the cartoons, and Tomorrowland obviously was also supported by the Man in Space stuff. Adventureland was his True Life Adventure series, so it was all this Disney IP. It was just very old Disney IP. So, and that's another go. thing that confuses me too about the IP argument is that you know even considering some of the original attractions, quote unquote, they still they still are IP. Mm-hmm. You know they have. Lord knows how much merchandise, comic books, you know, like you have Big Thunder Mountain, all the merch for the Haunted Mansion, the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Right. That's no, that's true. <laughs> the Pirates yeah, exactly. of the Caribbean movies just, so just everything make them into IP. Yeah. There everything in the Disney parks is an IP. No ex- no exceptions. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. Uh, on the left was a Circarama presentation, although not open on opening day, and neither was Rocket of the Moon. A space Station X-1, a satellite view of America, and also in the land were a ton of corporate exhibits, including the Kaiser Hall of Aluminum fame, the Dutch Boy Paint Gallery. The Dutch Boy Paints, by the way, um, still lead base, uh, <laughs> and the Hall of Chemistry, sponsored by Monsanto. Oh, boy. Of course, the Autopia was presented as a free-for-all, kin-friendly freeway with Bob Gurr famously pushing multiple cars off the road on opening day. Sponsored (laughs) by Richfield Oil, they also sponsored an exhibit called The World Beneath Us, which discussed fossil fuels. Uh, oh there's boy. a lot of lot of Epcot is going to leak into here. Why can't they bring back the old Tomorrowland? Eventually, Tomorrowland gained ever more attractions, such as the House of the Future by it's Monsanto again. All right. Oh man, a lot <laughs> of Mans- a lot of Monsanto here. Yeah. That oh, yeah. is interesting. And all of this predates Agent Orange, by the way. Uh, not to mention Oof. the Astro Jets, the Flying Saucers, Phantom Boats, the Yacht Club, the Dairy Bar, the Art Corner, the Flight Circle, the View Liner, and the infamous Bathroom of Tomorrow. You could even meet the Spaceman, and if you're lucky, the Space Girl. Now, it's interesting, the Spaceman, he has uh, a helmet on his head, but the Space Girl doesn't. And I don't know if this is supposed to reference the non-equal rights of women, or if it's the fact that Space Crow can breathe in space, but Spaceman can't. <laughs> Remember, if you're a lousy woman, you deserve to choke in space. Mm, of course. In space, no woman can be heard screaming. <laughs> uh, but, also, but also, I'm curious about that bathroom of tomorrow. Was that an actual bathroom you could use? No, it was an exhibit about the bathroom of tomorrow. Oh, thank God. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah have, have fun cleaning that up. Right. Tomorrowland <laughs> was in a constant state of becoming for corporate messaging and Little House, which irritated Walt constantly. He was the original Epcot purist. Sorry, Dorman. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Rolling my eyes. <laughs> the additions of the submarine voyage, Matterhorn, Skyway, and Monorail did inspire him to completely renovate Tomorrowland. The new concept would be a sleek world on the move, gone where the beige drab office building-like structures, and instead pristine white 
plastic-like spires and domes with steel-like fronts. New attractions included the People Mover, the new rocket jets that flew 85 feet above Tomorrowland, the Adventure Fruit Interspace Dark Ride, the new version of Rocket to the Moon called Flight to the Moon, the Carousel of Progress ported over from the World's Fair, a revised version of America the Beautiful and Circle Vision, and a new eatery with descending and ascending stage called the Tomorrowland Terrace. Granted, all the attractions had sponsors, still including Goodyear, Bell Systems, McDonnell Douglas, Coca-Cola, General Electric, and of course Monsanto with Interspace. Uh, sponsorship that also st- shockingly stayed past being complicit in the manufacturing of Agent Orange. But mm-hmm. <laughs> the difference here was that all the attractions they sponsored were created by WED and had a specific goal in mind to reflect progress towards the future. Walt died in 1966 before the new Tomorrowland opened in 1967, and so the land stayed somewhat in stasis for the bulk of two decades. The only major differences came about when America's scenes took over the Carousel of Progress, which moved to Walt Disney World. Flight of the Moon became Mission to Mars, and Space Mountain opened in 1977. In the mid-80s, Michael Eisner sought to add even more juice and thrills into this side corner of the park by introducing the 3D Michael Jackson space epic of Captain EO, and the very next year was Star Tours, which we discussed on last week's episode. Thanks, Brack! However, it just wasn't enough. The Tomorrowland problem became a factor. It felt dated to modern audiences. The rocket jet still resembled a 60s era NASA rocket. America Sings had shuddered in the fresh newness of Star Tours, conflicted with the datedness of the uh, surrounding area. Imagineering knew an update was necessary. In the late 80s and early 90s, Euro Disneyland was in the planning stages. Tony Baxter and his team envisioned a brand new version of Tomorrowland based on the steampunk architecture from H.G. Wells and Jules Verne novels. This was to be called Discoveryland, solving the Tomorrowland problem by sending it in a future that never was. One attraction was being formed called the Visionarium. A twist on the Circle Vision format wherein two audio animatronic characters take guests on time travel adventures. Back in the States, Imagineering was also looking to pepper some of this Tomorrowland reinvention. One idea was called the Ventureport, or later known as Lucasport, which we will discuss next year, I promise. Eventually, it was decided that the Magic Kingdom would receive a Buck Rogers-esque redo, and Disneyland would receive something a little less retro-future and more fantastical with Art Deco flourishes. Finally, this was Tomorrowland 2055. And you can yes. see the concept art right there. It's very, very pretty. Lots of blue and purple streaks Lots of spotlights in the air. It looks very, very, very eye-catching. Metallic, shimmering blue crystals shimmer from the hub as celestial fountains beckon us in. This is to be the future from the year 2055, 100 years after Disneyland's opening of an extra dose of extraterrestrial magic. Glowing orbs appear to float on top of shooting fountains of water and an object in the center pulses with light and energy. In fact, the rock and crystal structures surrounding the two main buildings in front seem to do so as well. These supernatural crystals, per Imagineering story, were unearthed during construction, left beneath the earth by, yes, ancient aliens. The History (laughs) Channel never knew it needed to look to Disneyland. 
<laughs> Upon being dug up by archaeologists, the exposure to the Earth's sun powered the crystals, which sent out messages into the far outer regions of space. Now, in the 2050s, aliens have received the message and have set out to build a spaceport on Earth. They have set up shop here filled with landed spaceships and, of course, a rock one-way rocket port on the far side of town that looks very familiar. Much like Tomorrowland 1994 in the Magic Kingdom, humans and aliens alike live here, but you are the customer to an array of intergalactic sights and sounds that you've never seen before. Some are friendly and some are not. Very similar to Galaxy's Edge. Uh, there... <laughs> There's also a second floor to mill about alongside the people mover tracks and an easy walkway to the rocket jets. When entering past the jutting rocks and crystals on our right side is Star Tours, left relatively intact, but with a new facade that resembles a tour bus station. On the left side is the Tomorrowland Expo Center, presenting a a demonstration by the timekeeper. Of course, this was a clone of Paris's Time to Time show, which was taken to the Magic Kingdom as the timekeeper starring the late great Robin Williams and Rhea Perlman. And if you have not seen the timekeeper, I 100% recommend opening YouTube and watching it. It is a wonderful, wonderful show, and Robin Williams is awesome in it. Agreed. You can never go wrong with Robin Williams, even though he didn't have... I think this was at the point in time where he didn't have that good of a relationship with Disney. This was one of the very last things he did before cutting ties with Disney. And the story that I've heard is he literally did all the recording for it. And they wanted him to come in for another session. And between that time, Jeffrey Katzenberg had pissed him off enough where he cut ties. And they literally had to write the show around all the material that they had from him for that. And thankfully it was just enough to make the show. And to his credit, you know, I can't really tell that it's technically unfinished considering <clears throat> how amazingly Robin just nails the role. Agreed. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Deeper into the land, we would encounter the familiar launch pad, which we could get up there via elevator, escalator, or upper midway. We, of course, could ride the People Mover, which would get a modest sci-fi makeover, but still provide the same relaxing trip we to see the sights of this bizarre and absurd new land. Above were the rocket jets with a new rocket that is not from this world, but we would actually fly mini space shuttles. A little bit of them, a little bit of us. Just behind that would be obviously Space Mountain and the Basement 3D Theater. It's unknown what the theater would contain as Disneyland at the time was still showing Captain EO, but would likely be an updated film. Space Mountain would see a light refame and it's cute to resemble the spaceport that rockets guests on a trip through the cosmos. Uh, to the left of Space Mountain was going to be the West Coast installation of Alien Encounter. However, this was supposed to debut in California first, as the Imagineers knew it would play better to the local crowd and help build up a healthy word of mouth that the attraction was not for little kids. Instead of the menacing haphazard convention center design, Tomorrowland 2055's exterior for Alien Encounter was to be much more subtle, but still conveying the seedy undertones of corporate overreach and malfeasance despite the masses. Per Rob Yeo, who amazingly recreated the entire unbuilt land in 3D models. 
Yes, if you can track these 3D models down, they look absolutely incredible. This is as close as we're going to get to ever experiencing Tomorrowland 2055. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm-hmm. The design takes its cues from both Art Deco and postmodern styles, with ornamental chrome details reminiscent of the Chrysler Building, 30 Rocks, Boss Relief Sculptures, and interconnecting syndrilical towers associated with postmodern architecture. The Boss Relief Sculptures depicted subservience to a higher god. A hint to excess tech, the malevolent corporation featured in the attraction and how they view the people of earth as unwilling subjects and this version of the attraction per blueprints guess would head into one of two holding rooms at this excess tech facility from either the ground or second floor level a security scan and then a visitor center Afterwards, guests would be led into the corporate auditorium to view the initial teleportation sales pitch. In a unique twist, the pitch would end and the guests would be told to head from the sides to the front of the auditorium as a live demonstration would be a surprise. Guests would then head out into one of two theaters for an unforgettable encounter. And here's what's interesting. I was telling you guys about this earlier, but... I did find the initial blueprints of this original version of Alien Encounter, and it was vastly different from what we got. I mean, we mm-hmm. still had the Martians. Well, not technically. Well, we still had Chairman Clinch and everything, but we, but instead of the Tim Curry slash Phil Hartman robot, tell like and Skippy and everything, we instead had a giant Tiki Room esque animatronic. Well, sort of a ma- well. The way I, the way I pictured it was sort of like one of the one of the uh, tiki room totems that that talks to you, but it's in sort of like a more industrial Art Deco style. Mm-hmm. So I think that was supposed to be the pre-show before you went into what the actual Alien Encounter was. Yeah, as far as I know, I don't I don't recall there being a second floor in Alien Encounter initially. Uh, yeah, that was a plan for 2055 uh, right. because you were supposed to be able to go on the catwalks everywhere. And so then, I guess yeah. I guess the question here is, would this version be vastly different to what Tomorrowland and Walt Disney World would get? Like we would have two different versions coinciding with each other completely? I think the the design of the facade, but most likely they would be the same shows. Yeah. The thing is, is that this was still heavily in development at the time. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. So as they were kind of forming it, that's probably you're seeing like an earlier version of this show coming together. So that 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 would be my guess. Dorman, any thoughts on Alien Encounter? I mean, Alien Encounter. I, I what I can't help but think the more you talk about the architecture being a reflection of capitalist like overextension into what would have been a more fantastical and pretty Tomorrowland. It's just how, I don't know if ironic is the good word, but that Disney would be creating an attraction about massive corporate monopolies and like well, the ways that you can. Well, to be fair, the original Alien Encounter, the one we got was technically that as well. No, very true. Yeah. And I, <laughs> yeah. It, it, as, as the, as the, the dominance of like entertainment probably grew by the company, it pr- seemed mm-hmm. a bit, a bit odd to, to yeah. draw that kind of criticism. I think obviously, you know, the more, the more you talk about Alien Encounter, the more exciting everything becomes because despite maybe not necessarily being the most popular attraction just because of the way 
that it would would scare people. It it is one of the more interesting cases of Disney trying to tie an original idea into a themed area that directly reflects not only uh, a sense of kind of general community for the land, but mm-hmm exists less as an independent thing and more as a piece of uh, a larger whole. I think that's where the successes of 2055 Tomorrowland would probably be best seen is in a bigger alien encounter, just because of the way that it would tie in every other piece of the the quote-unquote community that they were kind of building there. And again, I strongly agree. Oh yeah, and that was the thing that was the success of Tomorrowland 1994 and what this was supposed to become as well. And again, it's just a shame that over the years, Tomorrowland 94 over in Walt Disney World is kind of losing that mm-hmm. bit by bit, you know? Oh, 100%, for sure. Yeah. The final attraction would be housed in the former Carousel Theater. However, it doesn't look like a theater anymore, but instead a ginormous UFO with red-lit exhaust steam emitting from the second floor overhang onto the first floor. A massive drum set sits on top as spotlight beams streak from the roof beckoning us in this concept art that i'm looking at right now is mm-hmm. 90s cheese at its finest oh yeah Just this is so very good <laughs> this yeah. is theme. this is 90s <laughs> themed entertainment heaven for sure i mean it, it's an interesting juxtaposition it fits with tomorrowland 2055 overall but at the same time it doesn't it's Really gaudy, but just it works. I don't know how, but it works. It's it's supposed to feel probably a little out of place. Yeah. Yeah. The crouch down saucer has even disrupted the earth as a crater appears to secrete beyond its underpinnings. A hatch is open, welcome us inside to experience Plectu's fantastic intergalactic review. And once again, you can see all that concept art, which we'll throw on the show notes as well developed from a prior version of the show called pt quantums which was a variety show where various aliens would do magic and stand up and an alien host that would be bolted to the ceiling and actually follow the traveling theater which i think it's a really cool concept yeah they, uh, they never did that in any of the uh, other carousel theater shows no they never did no and that's uh, another thing too looking at this concept art yeah i'm not sure how familiar well knowing you guys you probably are familiar with this uh, but this concept art is reminding me a lot of Tony Solaroni over Solaroni. in Tokyo Disneyland. Yeah, it does, yeah, for <laughs> sure. And, so definitely, uh, yeah. definitely cut from the same cloth there. Which, mm-hmm. by the way, if Tomorrowland 2055 did pan out, Tony Sol- Tony Solaroni would have been perfect for that. Oh, that for those who might place? not know yeah. Tony Solaroni, he's a character from Tokyo Disneyland's Tomorrowland who was a pizza maker. A mm-hmm. pizza chef who who was on top of this giant pizza making machine at the Pan Galactic Pizza Port restaurant, and he's still going to this day. So yes. I think that's awesome. Hopefully, he's still going. We don't yeah, know. I, do, we're doing Tomorrowland in Tokyo. Oh God, yeah. We we right. don't know if he's uh, on the chopping block or not. Ho- hopefully not, because uh, we need those incredible nine there's like a 90s video with all these incredible puppets and incredible animation in there and one of thorough ravenscroft's last ever appearances in a mm-hmm. piece of disney media too that's true yeah for sure so hopefully hopefully it's yeah good. just a giant animatronic machine with an alien animatronic on top of it and it's incredible 
Yes, it is. It's a whole 30 minute show, arguably a saga, I would I would say, but (laughs) it's just beautiful. Plectus would go one step further by immersing audiences in a variety of strange environments housed within the saucers. They go from one habitat to another filled to the brim with serenading alien life forms. And you can see that concept art right now filled with just a bunch of crazy animatronic alien acts and this would have been this would have been a surreal trip i mean this is something that you definitely do not want to take drugs and go see for sure (laughs) (laughs) hey don't threaten me with a good time yeah (laughs) (laughs) one variation was going to even include a robotic version of michael jackson as the host if you can believe that's (laughs) disney in the 90s anything that can get michael jackson into the parks for some reason for some reason on channel krt michael jackson comes up a lot in our discussions and Mm -hmm. it's bizarre that he's coming up in this discussion too because (laughs) this was shortly before you know what happened so if that panned out this attraction more than likely would have ended as soon as it started that's true and then people would and then he would die and people would ask for it back so yeah no this would be way harder to bring (laughs) back Uh, but it is unknown if mj would have played pt quantum the tactilier pluck two or himself why not himself? It's very much unknown about the Autopia or the submarine voyage, but it's very likely beyond the periphery. They would have gotten just a light makeover. Now, don't think Main Street USA was to be shut out of all this spacey nonsense. That's right. Let's talk about the light keepers. <laughs> oh, man. I, I am ready to talk about the light keepers because there is just so much to take in from just this little nugget of knowledge so yes the floor which, is yours <laughs> which was the initial genesis of eventually what became the ill-fated light magic in this version of the electrical parade replacement this parade would feature searchlights appearing in the sky from tomorrowland as if a signal an announcement would be broadcast that a ufo was spotted above disneyland with a mix of pyro projection effects and a and that wire that hangs down from the Matterhorn to Sleeping Beauty's castle spaceship would appear to land right outside of Main Street. The backstage doors would fly open next to Tomorrowland, and a glowing white light would materialize. Out would emerge a wild menagerie of ethereal humanoids, attracted by the messages that the crystals shot out into space. This parade surely wouldn't be terrifying and traumatize any children like those uh, doll-faced spectrumen. Now, this is... This is where I have a lot of things to say because, like you brought up with the Dollface Spectrumen, I am <laughs> very conflicted about this because, on the one hand, I love Spectrum Magic, but those Dollface Spectrumen did scare the shit out of me. Yeah. And the way that I think about this is it could either go in two directions one, Spectrumen 2.0, or two, really, really uncanny valley makeup. Mm hmm. So, on the one hand, I would have loved to see this get made, but at the same time, it would have scared so many fucking children. Yes. And, you know, just imagine, like, just having the time of your life in Disneyland, and then all of a sudden, you hear this alarm blasting and saying, aliens have been seen coming towards Disneyland, and you would just be scared shitless as a kid. You don't know what's going on. Exactly. And then these aliens fucking pop out, and I don't know if there were any designs for this, but... I would love to see them because I don't know how any of this would have panned out. 
oh, this would have been a crazy parade. <laughs> uh, and and it's supposedly in the initial pitches, there were no Disney characters whatsoever. Yeah, so, I was like, going to ask you about none, that. none of your friends are there. How can you <laughs> do? How can you do a light parade without any of the characters? I don't know. The kids would just be like, what is this, mommy? <laughs> mommy? And just staring at all these crazy characters, just like go up in your face with like little light sticks. <laughs> I, I just, I don't know. I don't know how this would have panned out. You know, and, I uh, will <laughs> be honest. I am a little bit of a light magic defender, mm-hmm. you know, in the sense that the ideas were great, but the execution overall was just complete dog shit were, were you a fan of the river dance or no i just really like the soundtrack quite frankly oh, okay all right yeah dream our dream our dreams is a banger and i will die on that hill <laughs> i mean the, i mean the river dance soundtrack is pretty good but i kind of feel like they could have gone in a way different direction but if this were to happen instead of that God, this would have the, the outcry probably would have been even worse in my opinion. Uh, I, yeah, I mean it depends on the execution as well, for sure. But the the whole idea of basing an entire parade around just one land, it's just that's a fascinating concept, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it doesn't even matter because I think like it would have been we're we're not into what is it yeah, but I think it would have been retired like two years in to do a Milan parade. Absolutely. So so let's talk about why it was not built. Tomorrowland 2055 was in the designing stages in 1992. Mission to Mars was closed to prepare for its transformation in the excess deck, and the America scenes was being cleaned out as well. However, earlier in the year, Euro Disneyland was becoming a financial disaster for the company, and only one of the two Tomorrowland makeovers would be greenlit. It was decided that Magic Kingdom would receive a new Tomorrowland first, and Disneyland's would be placed on the back burner. Slowly but surely, the gears turned for Disneyland's redo, but by this this time, very little of it would be original, but instead largely recycling. Inspired or most likely ripping off Discoveryland of Paris, this new variation would be readied for 1998 and coat the entire land in bronze green coloring, which is not very pleasant on the eyes at all. It like, just looks very rusted and very sad, mm-hmm. and, which and is a, a perfect metaphor for this whole situation overall. Yes. The new Tomorrowland (laughs) looked great in concept art. I mean, it does look very cool in the concept art, but it was a lot of pretty paint to cover up the fact that it was largely being done on the cheap. Paul Pressler was in charge of the Disneyland Resort at the time and was being told by Eisner to rein in the spending. Bizarre decisions were made, like taking the jets off the main platform and creating a clone of Paris's Astro Orbiter and sticking it at the main entrance. It was fetching, sure, but it created a bottleneck and largely clashed with the calmer tone of the hub. The giant rocks planned for Tomorrowland 2055 were also rerouted to frame this new attraction, furthering congestion issues. Instead of Timekeeper, Alien Encounter, and Pluck 2, the main attraction would instead be the Rocket Rods, which would take up both the People Mover and the Circle Vision Theater. Intelligent use of space indeed. The rocket rods were short-lived because while fast and fun, they tore up the old track, were generally unreliable, and created a multitude of structural problems. Now, have you guys ridden the rocket rods? No, I haven't, but I've been I've read into it and how could you get rid of the people mover for that? I, I don't know. Don't get me wrong, it is a good idea, but it also makes me very thankful that the time rover thing that was that was supposed to take 
the place of Spaceship Earth never happened because mm-hmm. it's just a recipe for disaster, man. Yeah. Just putting a, a thrill ride on a track that doesn't necessarily – that isn't at all built for a, for a thrill ride is just – horrible idea entirely it, i don't know why just, you do that it was a dumb idea but yeah the rocket rods uh in september 1998 we went for my birthday for my sister and i's birthday actually and yeah. we went to tomorrowland and went to the rocket rods and it was closed so that's my rocket rod story and by the time we got back they were closed for good space mountain was painted bronze green and had onboard audio mm. installed with soundtrack by dick dale along with tacky new FedEx sponsorship. The ride was barely touched, but structurally starting to collapse and become rougher. And you could see the Space Mountain photo there, and this arguably was the worst one. I mean, it just looks ugly. Oh, jeez. And it has the Imagination Institute logo on it, because Honey, I Shrunk the Audience is right next to it. And just, Mm -hmm. this was a dark time for Disney property, man. What else can I say? Yeah. I know I'm repeating myself at this point, but it's true. Dorman, any thoughts on Tomorrowland 98 so far? I love the Bronze Space Mountain. Oh, of course you do. <laughs> yeah, I really? lo- no, I'm just kidding. No, it's garbage. <laughs> no, no, no. It looks like vomit. It looks like yeah. it looks like somebody vomited up. Yeah, I mean, what actually? I, you, it's it's hard not to. The story's been told numerous, numerous times, even even on the show that. The Disney in the 90s going completely cheap. There was no way that Tomorrowland 2055 was going to work for anything less than the most significant budget, right? Mm-hmm. That had ever yeah. been given to a Disney experience. It, it, the 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 gaudy and audacious designs just can't be done with copies. And somehow, somehow though, like right, the way you talk about Rocket Rods, they 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 took a shoestring budget and made something significantly worse. I'm surprised they spent any money on it. The the budget of Rocket Rods was like 25 mil and yeah. I, they must have wasted all of that and built the ride in the last day because well, what, it, what's what's hilarious about the Rocket Rods is that they're going, well we have their test track technology. What if we instead of like with test track they built an all new track. What if we take that track and that system and just overlaid it on an existing track and see if that works. And right. we all know how test track went. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> no, it did not work. No, not even close at all. In fact, I believe I believe GM was going to sponsor a Rocket Rods and it fell through because of the issues with test track. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, the 3D theater featured a port of Epcot's Honey, I Shank the Audience. An ambitious show, but one that failed to engage repeat audiences from locals. And the reason why this was because in Epcot, you had tourists coming in. And I remember reading like in, in Epcot, like for the first two years, I mean, Honey, I Shrunk the Audience actually killed Journey into Imagination because it was so popular that Disney rerouted crowds to Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. Hmm. Uh, so that's that's what was killing the ridership for Journey into Imagination. So, Tyler, we could say that Wayne Zielinski actually just completely murdered Dreamfinder. That that's, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's on his list of horrible things he's done to humankind. So, yeah, he has a body count. Let's make that known. Mm-hmm. A very massive body count. Mm-hmm. Including a lot of Chicago in... <laughs> <laughs> you know what um, you did, Wayne. Yes. You know what you did. 
The carousel theater had interventions installed instead, but with the rotating theater portion being a walkthrough entrance, being greeted by the animatronic Tom Morrow, who was basically the same figure as Timekeeper, but this time voiced by Nathan Lane. That's still good casting, in my opinion. Yeah, it was good casting. Granted, he was was on the payroll as well at the time and still had a better relationship with Disney, so... Correct, yeah. And, And have you guys experienced this version of interventions? I don't think so. I, I went to interventions very, very late into when okay. uh, it was open. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I, so I've probably... never been to Disneyland, so I can't really tell oh, you my exact okay. relationship with this version of the ride. But oh, wow. I'm very yeah. curious to know how they would have fit. Like, since the carousel portion is is now a walkthrough exhibit, does this mean that the rest is going up to the second floor? But, so there is – it was – the way was that you had the carousel portion – and there would be an outer ring. And then so the outer ring is where people walk in. And the Nathan Lane animatronic was on just on the stage portion. But next to the stage portion, as the carousel theater rotated, and it wasn't a theater anymore. There were no seats. You would just walk. On your left would be some some sometimes like these sets for game shows weirdly and then as you would go forward an opening would open up and you could walk into the center ring so you can walk in the center ring and initially it was this giant weird cyber tree with a staircase that led you to the second floor and the wow. second floor was where all the exhibits were that is and, weird yeah in the 2000s late 2000s this was replaced by and this was talked about you probably recognize this from a podcast a ride recently the home of the future which was this house that was run on microsoft some version of of windows at the time and was this like completely digital house yeah i remember they had that in interventions at epcot so okay yeah which at that time was starting to become a former shell of itself so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah the which it's it's a shame the Mm -hmm. innovation interventions was not for this world. Right. So the actual exhibits were similar to interventions, but Epcot but fell flat due to feeling less like a side piece instead of main attraction, which it should have never been. And this actually didn't open with the land. This opened in July of that year. Where the rocket rods once were a rotating object called the Observatron that tried adding connected flavor to the land, but most people honestly did not care because you couldn't actually ride it. <laughs> now, this Observatron would, if you see in the photo, the little satellite dishes on it, they would uh, fly up. It was it was essentially actually using the exact same structure as the rocket jets, just right. without actual ride seats. It was these little satellite dishes that would go up and rotate in a circle. And then they would play music. There was two, one of two music tracks, which were extremely ironic. The first one was using the Space Mountain soundtrack from Paris. The second one was the Timekeeper score of all things. Wow. That hmm. was supposed to be in the land itself. And it's still there being I don't I don't even think it moves anymore. I'm not sure. Fused no. why you would put the spinny ride at the very front of the park that's not elevated and replace it with another spinny thing, but you can't ride that. I don't know. That, like, I, know, I have no clue. So confusing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, quite possibly the worst move was turning the former Mission to Mars building 
not into an attraction, but a restaurant. The Red Rocket Pizza Port, now Alien Pizza Planet. <sighs> Tomorrowland. Like the cheeseburger pizza, Ryan? Yes. That not, did that not? Yeah, it's the cheeseburger pizza. Oh, my God. Disgusting. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> Tomorrowland 1998 was a spectacular failure, only diminished by the even grander failure of Disney's California Adventure only a few years later. By the two-year mark, rocket rods were permanently closed. Honey, I shook the audience. Barely attended. Interventions was flailing. The subs were permanently closed. Space Mountain was on its last legs, and the bronze-green paint was badly faded in the California sun. Not good. Matt Wiemet took over the Disneyland Resort shortly prior to its 50th anniversary. We miss you, Matt, and wanted to correct some of the Tomorrowland mistakes. The former Rocket Rods crew queue was tuned into the shooting gallery, Dark Ride, Buzz Lightyear, Astro Blasters. Space Mountain was completely overhauled, retracked, and repainted white. Interventions got a new Honda sponsor. The submarines were greenlit and turned into the Funny Nemo submarine voyage, and the entire land got a new paint job. Even My still, only this- gripe about their Space Mountain is that, why the hell did they get rid of the Dick Dale soundtrack? That was so good. Yeah. I do like the Michael Giacchino. Song. Oh yeah, yeah, that's, it, that's it is great. really it's so nice. good. It's a, it's a yeah. glow up, but come on, it's Dick mm-hmm. Dale. I know. Rest in peace. Yeah. Even still, this zombie of a Tomorrowland continues to be a weak spot in the otherwise amazing theme park that is Disneyland. Whoa. Lots of dark. That was, that was harsh. From, that was that, Brian. That was like the most harsh thing I think you've ever written into one of these things. <laughs> right. That was cruel. It's well yeah. deserved in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The art recently leaked out showing a proposed Tomorrowland redo with sleek orange and silver colors. The Astro Orbiter being back to elevated to with its new jetpack theme. And the people were being brought back as a new thrilling attraction utilizing Puka arms. Really really digging this concept art here yeah it looks amazing but my main mm-hmm. concern is that you know since the rocket rods failed the first time mm-hmm. would the kuka arm attraction work this time or no and the thing is is that from what i heard the entire people mover track is designated by cal osha as being unsuitable for uh replacement in other words they would have to not use it at all it would have to be completely redone mm. so yeah mm. that's fair i mean yeah. don't get me wrong this art is very beautiful but like i think it's a i think they're shooting a bit way too high mm-hmm. in my opinion right the this proposal sadly also failed rumor has it that the d23 expo will see a massive tomorrowland overhaul promise but who knows it'll come to pass i guess we will see tomorrow Let's answer what if, but what if Tomorrowland 2055 was built and readied for 1995 as intended? Would Timekeeper and Alien Encounters still be an entertaining guest today, or would something have replaced it? Would we still be encountering the Tomorrowland problem? Okay, so what if, what if this uh, attraction was built? What are your thoughts? I think that locals at Disneyland might have found, obviously, you know, Disneyland changes so often because they're dealing with the local crowd over the the once a year, maybe once every couple of years, fans of Walt Disney World. I think that Timekeeper and Alien Encounter are interesting. They're interesting, number one, because I wonder how often people would go on them if they were uh, local visitors instead of yearly. Uh, And on the other hand, additionally, I think that if, let's say, they did build 2055 in 1995, we probably would have seen, uh, assuming everything was kept up, a complete refurb by 
the mid 2000s or the mid 2010s. So I wonder if mm-hmm. that would even have been around today. Yeah, even if it yeah. had been built when it was initially proposed. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm kind of on the fence, especially regarding Alien Encounter, because on the one hand, I feel like the locals would have loved it. And I feel like warning people in advance once it came to Disney World that this attraction is definitely not for kids. Don't take your kids on it under any circumstances. Mm-hmm. Would have given it a longer shelf life. But at the same time, crappy parents are going to be crappy parents and they're always going to ignore those trigger warnings. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. 100%. Yeah, yeah, this was something that was always going to happen. However... You know, I have to say that uh, the Haunted Mansion is mildly scary and still probably traumatizes kids on the regular. Yeah, it's true. I I think it's less more of that. This is more of an extreme attraction. The thing that I noticed about Tomorrowland 2055 and one thing that very much stood out is that the new additions are all shows. And the thing is, is that shows are very tricky when it comes to Disneyland right, and Disney's California, especially we have evidence of this in Disney's California adventure where they open up with several shows, but Muppet vision and it's tough to be a bug. They still aren't here because they were experiencing low attendance and the low attendance is because people do it once and they don't want to do it again because once again, California's fed free locals. So, you have Timekeeper and you have Plecto. And these two shows might have not done very well, just like Honey, I Shrunk the Audience did not do very well. And again, Captain EO, like it came back and was a big thing again, but eventually attendance faded because people were like, I've done that multiple times. I don't feel like I need to do it again. So I love Timekeeper. I love the idea of Plecto, but whether or not it would have had sting power, it's very unsure. And especially both of those attractions, those are animatronic-based attractions. Alien Encounter, I think, would have had a little bit more shelf life because it's a, it's like a thrill show. It would have mm. rejuvenated people. I mean, I recently saw Jerry Reese talk about Alien Encounter at Retro Magic, and yes. he talked about how he saw people get really rejuvenated even in the test shows by by this show because it was just such a, a such a surprise to them and i think that would have kept locals coming back because they would have found it really fun and really interesting less so with timekeeper and plecto again love these ideas perfect ideas but these ideas are still shows that said besides that i think that the design of the land is way more pleasant, way more fitting, and way more instilling an idea of permanence into the idea of Tomorrowland itself. Mm. The fact that the people mover is still there, that we could have kept the people mover if this land had been made. Space Mountain probably would have been eventually retracted anyways, but Space Mountain obviously would have stayed. Eventually, we would have gotten a new Star Tours, but I also think that Timekeeper would have been very, very short-lived. I think yeah. Timekeeper would have not even lasted 10 years and be replaced by Buzz Lightyear or Astro Blasters, period. That would have Absolutely. happened, I think, no matter what, that was always going to happen. Agreed, right, so and I right. got to say this, Lightkeepers wouldn't have lasted over two years. No, no, 100%. You're <laughs> right. Oh, absolutely. It would have not lasted a single second. For sure. I, I think that these are all great ideas. The The thing is, is that 
Tomorrowland 2055 is a fantastic idea. And spoilers, I'm going to say that we're going to build it. Okay, I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say it already. You guys don't have to say it right now. But I'm going to say we're going to build it because no matter what, I think it would have been a drastic improvement. But the Hmm. fact is that so many of the attractions here would have not lasted, but at least would have been there. We would have had something there that would have been better than what it was. We would have had the people mover would have still be here. The, the, the thing that 2055 and I, I find this all interesting. And one of the fascinating things and the reason why I started the show is the fact that when people look at unbuilt attractions, they say, wow, that would have been great. And they never think about the fact that you're uh, the, the, question is is it better to have love than not not have loved at all because i think a lot of times people are looking into something that would have existed but not currently be here because this is a lot of stuff that the disney company would eventually replace and yes the fact that 2055 would have only existed if uh euro disneyland was not a financial failure throws so many alternate universes uh, things into question that we have no idea what the route of the Disney company would have been today if this even happened. But even ignoring that, looking at 2022, I a lot of this would have been replaced anyways. Yeah, I think that I mean I don't, I don't want to I won't I won't stoke the flames of the IP conversation, right? So we can we'll, we'll glide past that a little bit. But I do think mm-hmm. had any of this been built, had any of this been been done. It at least would have given Tomorrowland a much stronger foundation than at least it currently has. Uh, right. Because with this would have been the massive refurbishment of all of the facades in a way that would make them, uh, even if like 50% of the concept art was actually realized, Yeah, uh, it would still give it a completely fresh and new and vibrant look of Tomorrowland. You know, no matter how everything was done and, and was developed. I, I think that you know, whether or not these things would have stayed around, I, I do agree that Alien Encounter probably had the most, the best opportunity to stay and the best chance just because it would have at least been a fun, late night, scary attraction mm-hmm. uh, that would rarely become dated or probably wouldn't become dated as quickly as most people would imagine it would. Also, um, or other ones would. Also, Halloween overlay, enough uh, said. Right. Mm. Well, right. Monsters yeah. And then they, dark. they, cause they would already have been doing, I guess, uh, cool galaxy, right? Might have made yeah, its yeah. way through into the into Disneyland. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. But I, I do think that the Tomorrowland problem, right? The the issue with the bottlenecks and the lack of attractions, at the very least, would have been solved and could very simply be manipulated as the parks developed into oh, the future. Mm-hmm. They could introduce new IP and uh, synergistic attractions without having to completely redo the land. And that's mm-hmm. probably what the problem is right now, is that to actually redo Tomorrowland, to put even a little bit of effort in it, would require a boatload of money just mm-hmm. because of how fundamentally broken the area is for crowd control. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. And the fact is that right now, even the sad thing is with the t- Tomorrowland 1994 in the Magic Kingdom, the whole idea of solving the Tomorrowland problem by making this this Buck Rogers-esque future really didn't pan out because they're just 
they're already redoing so much of it anyways. It's, it's almost as if it doesn't matter that no matter what, we will always try to reinvent this stuff because for some reason, somebody in Imagineering says, well, that's dated. That's old. That's dated. That's old with Tomorrowland. And I don't know. I always thought Tomorrowland 1994 was fun. Yeah. You know, like the new entrance to it. Yeah, I guess it's nice and sleek, but it's not as fun as the old one. It's really not. It's just minimalism kills. What else is there to say? Yeah. That's true. Poor Ralph Brennan F's in the chat. Um. <laughs> well, it's, 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 it's a real critical problem, especially in Walt Disney World, because what the area is built, right? And with the area was designed as a living, breathing, working Tomorrowland city. And it does it did a really good job at it with its own little kind of twinge of, of 90s call it charm let's say but what they've done right is they've repainted everything white so instead of removing everything instead of completely reforming the area to be minimalist they've just painted everything that looked good white (laughs) (laughs) because we've got to prepare for tron whenever it comes oh boy yeah and uh (laughs) and the the inevitable space mountain refurb right oh uh, the the cinnamon yeah exactly (laughs) Um, no yeah it'll look like 10 times worse and uh Mm -hmm. it'll never open if it if it has the speed of tron (laughs) Um, but but definitely you know you the the intention of tomorrowland is supposed to be a big cohesive i guess in in either 2055 or or 1994 the both of them the intention was to be a big cohesive themed community and Mm -hmm. where 94 succeeded i i wonder if 2055 even had the possibility. I also wonder if 2055's Tomorrowland in the original concept art, the one that we're talking about here, the big complicated one, would have been completely out of place in Disneyland, where it might even look like its own theme park. You know, if everything had been done to Tomorrowland like they'd proposed, the complete refurb of the carousel building and the new facade of Alien Encounter and the the kind of expo building there, the, the spaceport, excuse me, you know, you could run into a thing like we talked about on another show, Ryan, of the the Knots space area, where oh, yeah. you end up oddly creating a themed area that is so complicated and so, well, it it just looks like Blade Runner concept art <laughs> uh, that you would have to you would you would wonder, you know, how does this look next to Adventureland? How does this look mm. next to Frontierland? So you're you're saying like that, that you would have to rise the other ships. Oh, so so much because it would look so out of place. It would look like a sticking out like a sore thumb. You you would have so Frontierland and Adventureland, especially in Disneyland, right, are ports where you enter attractions. They're not necessarily these big, mm-hmm. immersive areas, and that's you know one thing that Tomorrowland '94 did really well. But let's say this concept art of 2055 was done so well, I it 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 would be so extravagant, right? That yeah, you might mm. have to put some time into some of the other areas not because it makes them look bad but because the standard of quality has risen to a completely new level <laughs> it would be like if the the main street of disneyland was replaced with the main street of tokyo disney sea and now then the rest of the park was still disneyland you might you might ask yourself why why is this area so intense and intricate and the rest of the park is well, it's it's from 1955, right? Wait, wait, I love wait. Disneyland, but hold hold on, hold on. What about Galaxy's Edge? I think Galaxy's Edge 
has a similar issue. I think, oh, I mean, yeah, we can, yeah, we can, we can for a moment. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a great point. <laughs> I think, I think it is, that is one of the big issues initially with galaxy's edge, right? Mm-hmm. Is that galaxy's edge is a themed area from Hollywood studios and it's big and it, it's, it almost takes up like an entire, the Northern perimeter of, of Disneyland, I mm-hmm. guess. I mean, galaxy's edge is, Oh, you're going to, you've cornered me here. Galaxy's Edge is less interesting, right? It's not as interesting as this would be, but, but like Galaxy's Edge is, is it's like tucked away and quiet, right? Like you have to go through uh, left, you have to go through the forest, right? It's almost like you're passing into a different park. It's very secluded, at least in Disneyland, not in Hollywood studios, but in Disneyland, it's like you've, you've left Disneyland for a bit. I do think it retains that, but the difference is right. Is that you can see the spires from a distance, if you could see like the Millennium Falcon from Main Street, right, or or, or or something even more grandiose, you might question, you know, that that is almost out of place. And imagine being in the hub and looking to your right. And uh, well, to your left is the, the Dole Whip stand. And to your right is a massive spaceport with glowing neon lights. Yeah, I, I would wonder how, how that would look. But you know what I mean? How like tomorrow, uh, at least Galaxy's Edge fits through into the forest area of Disneyland. It's thematically consistent while being significantly more complex than any other area. I wonder if you could say, I wonder if it would be a little different with this one, where, uh, again, you enter, you go from Main Street into the concept art from Blade Runner, and the park has suddenly become so much more complicated in one Mm -hmm. half that you might offset, I think, some of the weight of, of the whole thing. I would argue that this was a problem that Tomorrowland 98 also had. You stick oh, the Astro Orbiter in the hub and it just really offsets the balance. At the very least, Tomorrowland 2055 would have been a little bit more recessed. But you have a great point where Magic Kingdom has those giant bridges that in the hub that really separate everything. And you, you're just so much more intimate and you're so much more close in Disneyland. Your, your thoughts, Tyler? For me, it's going to be a build it because... Basically, all the reasons you guys said, you know, it's just such a beautiful park. And, you know, even though there would have been probably some discrepancies with theming, you know, I think overall it could have worked. You know, maybe maybe some things could have been phased out over time. Like, you know, maybe Timekeeper wouldn't have exactly worked. But overall, as long as they found like some good replacements, I think that it could have had staying power. So, yeah. Okay. So, Dorman, do, do you wish to build it or not? I mean, you, you, uh, every piece of concept art teases me with like a Sid Mead expansion. <laughs> yeah. Of, yeah, you get it. Disneyland. Yeah. it. It's one of those things where my, my, my heart and my brain and every part of me says, build it. The words escaping from my mouth are almost like poison just because of how, how sad it is that it, that it, it wasn't developed. But my love, my, my deep love of Disney world's Tomorrowland means that I, I think no matter whether any of this would have stayed or not, it would have been like a billion times better than anything that was put in the spot after that. Yeah. Okay, so, so, so wait, wait, wait. So you're saying build it. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, well, yeah Dan, you're pulling one. it out of me. That's finally. <laughs> yeah, we did it. We did it. We did it. Read it. <laughs> have I said build it yet in this entire show, Ryan? I think you have once. I think you said build it on the Muppet Studios one. Yeah. Uh, you I know, think, well, it, this is just, you're right. This is another case like the Muppet Studios where everything is just such a fantastic idea. Mm-hmm. I, I 
you know, concerns about waiting in the park be damned. The just the the idea of any of this mm-hmm. uh, would have been well worth the experiment. Awesome. That, no, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and I think that even like like you we we've discussed, not much of this would still be here in twenty twenty. Not much. Yeah, more. but it we might not have had a. Uh, pizza place in the spot where a former attraction could have been uh, the carousel theater might be have something different than a rotting star wars exhibit we, we would have had most likely a better tomorrowland even if 2055 was possibly ripped apart and rethemed today in this in this alternate universe that might have existed at one time so yeah with, with that said tomorrowland 2055 is a fantastic, wonderful, incredible, absurd idea that we might have, you know, to possibly go back in time and save because God willing doesn't look like anybody in the district company wants to do anything about this land right now. And even we have those rumors, we have those rumors and I don't know if I can believe them or not. And even if they stand on stage at D23 and say, we're remaking Tomorrowland. This is what it's going to be after Epcot. Can we trust it? Can we trust it anymore? Because the Disney company doesn't seem to want to commit the things that they announce on stage anymore. And that's a problem. That's a huge, massive problem. And I I know Dorman, you're, you're, we're getting stuff that you very much agree with the, with the cynicism of the Walt Disney company. (laughs) And and that, uh, that is what scares me now is that. Yeah. I think that this would have gotten built, but even if whoever it is, Josh tomorrow stands on stage and says, we're rebuilding Tomorrowland. I don't know if I can trust them. What do you say about that, Dorman? You probably agree. My hopes are, are dashed and my expectations are zero. I, th- I, I, can't, <laughs> I, I think that, you know, if they... I, there's no universe where anything like this gets built by the current Disney company or yeah. I think any future yeah. one. I think it would, there would have to be some, you know, relationship to a, a popular property or movie or something like that. I, I don't think this will ever happen. And, and what's mm-hmm. happening to 1994 Tomorrowland is, is evidence enough and I'll, I'll slide and say what's happening in the future world is also evidence enough. Yeah. <laughs> future world anymore. It's world oh. celebration, world nature, world discovery. Yes, that's, uh, I'm sure, I'll, what is it? <laughs> world, world celebration, world. nature, discovery, and there's a fourth one. It's a world showcase, world discovery, world nature, and world celebration. That's, yeah, that's great. That's... Amazingly, <laughs> it's not called World Epcot. Yes. Epcot world. Yeah. <laughs> Epcot world. Mm. World, um, world, 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 world. No, no. <laughs> yeah, the prospects are, are, are a bit dim. Maybe there's a way to, to, to pull this in. I, I think, especially with Disneyland, they're going to try to coast on the current Tomorrowland as, as long as possible, mm-hmm. uh, especially with the the pricey, pricey refurbs that are happening in, in Florida mm-hmm. and the right. recent developments in Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, let's yeah, pray agreed. the pray the 100 imagineers that are left are cooking <laughs> up something good and we might might have something actually get built on the horizon that is at least half as good as tomorrowland 2055 if we do we'll be all lucky indeed these days it's just hard to be optimistic in the mm-hmm. JPEG era yes well th- thank you to rob yeo for providing all the that 
great artwork to allow us to go into Tomorrowland 2055. Once again, you can check that out, robbiodesign.com slash Tomorrowland 2055. So you can check that out and it's time to wind this to a close tyler please plug everything you want all right well you can find me on the social medias you can find me on twitter at tylerfg instagram at tylerfg96 you can find my show channel krt on all the podcast platforms that you you find your podcasts Mm -hmm. you can also find us on our youtube page we have our twitter at channel underscore krt Channel KRT podcast, all one word on Instagram. We have a Discord server and a Facebook group, which you can also find in the link tree in our Twitter bio. And if you want to help support us, you can also check us out on Patreon, where we have exclusive outtakes and we're bringing minisodes back. We're actually right. going to be recording one uh, this this weekend as a recording. And we also have episodes of the show one day early, so go check us out. Leave us all re- leave us nice reviews and just. Say nice things about us. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Tyler, for joining yeah, us for discussing yeah, no Twilight problem, Twenty Fifty Five. Yeah, this is this was a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, I, I, as, I'm, I'm glad I got to talk about this. Thank you guys so much. Absolutely. So, in the meantime, please follow us on social media on Twitter at Unbuilt Pond. You can reach me at Open Mother's Mail, Ryan Dorman at Open the Dorman, and once again, Tyler Green at Tyler FG. Feel free to email us at unbuiltpod at gmail.com or rate us on Stitcher, iTunes, and Anchor or wherever you find this podcast. Please write a review and tell us how you're doing. And if you don't like us, thank you for listening to the Plan Disney Podcast. I'm Jake from State Farm. See you guys. (laughs)